1: He pioneered Jets blogging and podcasting, he brought smiles to the faces of Jets fans all over the world, he was there through the good and bad, and then, one day, he vanished. People far and wide wondered, where has he gone, when will he return? Thankfully, the answer is... Now, I'm back. The OG of Jets podcasting and vlogging is back Just when
4: I thought I was out
1: They pull me back in This is There's Always Next Year with Brian Bassett
2: I'm back, the real me, let's not make a whole thing of it
1: And his co-hosts, Chef Travis Milton
0: Today we're going to be making the students my tasty baked ziti With basil and fresh mozzarella
1: And Josh Conrad
4: Oh, my brother, testify
1: on Turn on the Jets Digital.
4: Welcome back to There's Always Next Year. I'm your host, Brian Bassett. You can follow me on Twitter at Brian underscore Bassett. And I'm with Josh Conrad, who you can find on Twitter at Josh underscore Conrad. And as always, we are joined by Golden Girls enthusiast, White Claw connoisseur, Travis Milton, who you can find on Twitter at Dash 37 Board 27. So, fellas, two in a row, we're streaking. Uh, the Jets have a big win over Washington, thirty-four to seventeen. Um, but I think before we get into all that, we have to talk about Doella Gaines and his challenge. He had a successful challenge, guys. It's, he's now he's now one in three in his challenges. How are we feeling about that? I'm so. So, so proud of that he, little guy. Yeah, you're so proud of him. Good.
5: Listen, to, to represent the Shire as well as he does is just amazing. <laughs>
4: Yeah, uh, we we have to talk about the fact that do you guys know? I went to his Wikipedia page because I had to find out after watching him again on the sideline. Do you know how tall he is? How, oh, great, how, how guess? Great Give me a question. guess. Uh,
5: I'm ah oh, man, that's a great question. I'm gonna say he is five five.
4: Okay, Travis, what do you think?
5: Are we going prices
6: right rules here? Uh, we're we're gonna go. We're gonna go. Are you gonna go
4: one inch. No, no, no. We're yeah, gonna go I'm closest. Gonna, gonna go five, <laughs> we're gonna go. Cl- we're gonna go closest. But doesn't Travis matter. taking the under, under over or under. Like just, just closest doesn't matter. No, not prices. Right rules. No. All right. What five, said, five, I'm gonna say.
6: I'm gonna say five. Five six and a half.
4: Okay. Travis wins. Credit. He's listed at five six. Duel wow. is five six, and it's like I because I was like, gosh, he's short, and but I know he's a, a, in front of a bunch of big guys. But yeah, that was I didn't think he was five six until I went to the site. So anyway, congrats That's- to congrats to Duel. Um, I I know how to say I never know how to say his name, so I'm just going to say Doyle. <clears throat> uh, but congrats on on that. And then hey guys, the win like Sam's best day ever, nineteen for thirty. Two hundred ninety-three yards, four scores, one interception, which was a little brutal. But, uh, but I mean, what are we seeing from Sam Darnold that we have haven't seen? Basically, like when when you think about the Patriots game and you think about what you saw yesterday, aside from the fact that their defenses are totally different—one um, is good and one is bad. What did you see from Sam yesterday, Josh?
5: Yeah, I feel like you know, as from the, from the start of the year, feeling like we had we had a healthy Quincy. Robbie Anderson. We're going to get Herndon back. Like not one of those guys has, has really either caught a number of passes or any passes. Um, he's working with obviously Jamison Crowder, Ryan Griffin, a lot. I, I'm just seeing like ma- maturity. I know two weeks ago we were a little worried about is Sam regressing at this point. Do we feel like he's taking a step back um, from all the promise we saw at the second half of last year, but man, I really feel like, like there's a maturity that's happening. I don't know if it's, Geez, like, hose me down boys, but like is there is there something to this like Adam Adam Gase run offense oh. that like after ten games, does it just start to click a little bit? I know we're playing terrible teams, but I feel like something, you know, the 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 new coach quarterback thing that takes, you know, usually a half season or a season to figure out. I'm getting a little frisky here thinking maybe we got something cooking. I call me crazy. Okay.
4: okay. Travis, what do you think? I have some thoughts, uh, but I want to hold them reserved until I hear Travis. What what did you think about Sam and his game yesterday? Um, uh, Trending. Awareness.
6: Um, Like, his movement in the pocket was great. Uh, Second straight week in a row that, you know, there were some design rollouts, things like that. Um, And it it goes a little bit to what Josh is saying. I think that, uh, you know, we are playing really shitty teams, but at the same time, uh, you know, I, I, I think that, he's finding his way in the offense a little bit and Gase is finding how to utilize uh, a lot of the pieces around him a little bit, a lot of, uh, you know, check downs that, that speaks to like Griffin and Brown getting so many, uh, so many catches. Uh, but you know, that's just spreading things out even more and opening up Crowder and things like that. So I think um, the, the, the pocket awareness has been the biggest thing because I think that was the thing I was most critical of him uh, the couple of weeks prior of, you know, going back to that conversation about not seeing the field mm-hmm. defense is confusing him. And I think that he's, he's seeing everything a lot better right now. And I think that that's doing wonders for both him and the rest of the
4: offense. Yeah. He had a quote. Uh, I was on the New York post site and uh, they were, he, they were kind of asking him about Haskins and kind of, you know, what he's seeing and, uh, and that sort of thing. And there was a quote where uh, that he made to the New York post post, Uh, Sam Darnold that is saying that I he said quote unquote I was thinking too much um and I definitely think that's true he was trying to kind of ingest too much diagnose the field and so I think that is certainly part of part of what we're seeing he's it's it's more intuitive at this point he feels more comfortable with um you know the reads the the progressions the protections that sort of thing but yes and he's certainly not facing the Patriots so that 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 definitely helps um But the other thing which you touched on, Travis, uh, which I was going to say anyway, if you hadn't said it, is the rollouts. They were rolling him out a lot and it was working, right? Because that seems to be where Sam Darnold is the most comfortable when kind of, you know, he's on a moving platform and he only has to read half the field and right, and he's got a check down kind of moving with him. That seems to work to his strengths and we get it. Like he's a second year player. He's one of the youngest quarterbacks in the league still as a second year player. So so I, I'm not surprised that he's having more success when they're simplifying some of the, the reads and the progressions for him. Um So, right. So, but I do think you know, the, the physical component to Sam's game has never been in question. And when you see some of those, you know, throws, he throws downfield, like, Oh my gosh, you know, with just more maturity, um, you know, that, and that arm and that, that precision and accuracy, like the, like the Ryan Griffin touchdown play uh, you know, that was, that was quite a throw put it in a perfect spot where he could just run uh, you know, run, you know, to daylight on, on the other end of that throw. It wasn't like he had to slow up or, you know, you know, change change his direction um, markedly enough that it would it would have changed the the play of the game. So, seeing more of that kind of stuff, and I mean, I thought Crowder was going to be good, and I think that's another thing too. Like in that, remember going going back to the very first game of the season, I can't. What did he have like seventeen targets? Um, and so he is that reliable kind of possession style slot receiver, and so it's it's made things. Help, you know, healthy for, for Sam in terms of the passing game. One of the things we definitely need to talk about, though, is the running game. You know, Lev certainly had some plays where he was getting first downs um, early on, but, you know, Bilal Powell kind of emerged out of nowhere. He he saw a number of snaps and, you know, played well. Travis, what were your thoughts about him particularly? Um,
6: I mean, it's, it's actually starting to be a little bit worrying to me, like seeing how well – uh Powell played in his limited time and how you know he he picked up I believe I believe it was 42 yards on mm-hmm. seven carries um his yards per carry was way higher than Le'Veon Bell's um it's it's a yeah. little concerning to me but at the same time uh there's two completely different running styles like uh Le'Veon Bell is super patient waits for the holes to open up uh Bilal Powell is that straight ahead steamrolling, you know, not waiting for the for anything to open up. He's just going. And I'm starting to wonder, with the offensive line being what it is, do we need to get Bilal Powell into the games more uh, because, you know, they're, the holes that they're opening up aren't there long enough for Le'Veon Bell to get anywhere, and side-to-side action is yeah. not working. So, I, I really think that he needs to be a bigger part of the game plan just based off of his style and based off of the, the play of the offensive line. And I hope to see that. And hopefully I think that it will open up things a little bit more for Le'Veon Bell, especially in the passing game. Um, but that was encouraging and disheartening for me to see uh, kind of at the same time.
4: Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great point. I think, you know, Le'Veon Bell and his patience are rewarded when you've got, as you say, great offensive line play, Uh, but, you know, who can kind of create those disciplined, you know, holes, you know, to emerge. And we just weren't seeing that. And I was interested, I was watching the Rams game on Sunday night and their offensive line has had challenges, but they tried a new scheme last night where they were basically doing double, like taking two players and double teaming, you know, one, one defender defensive lineman. And it was creating a lot of space for, for Todd Gurley. So, and, and I would expect something like that from Sean McVay to kind of revamp his his offense on the fly with, you know, young players. And it seems to be working. I, I, I don't know if I'm as confident in Adam Gase figuring out something like that that's going to work, um, especially with this group. At the same time, though, right, I, I agree with you. I think Powell's style is much more um, geared towards not having good offensive line play and kind of making it on your own, right? Um, so, I, I don't know. Did you have any specific thoughts around kind of the the checkdowns and and the tight end and, and kind of slot receiver play and how that interacted with the running backs, Josh?
5: Yeah, it, it was interesting to see, like, man, like a, a game plan that, that suits Sam's needs, which I know we, we kind of just hit. But um, obviously the, the, the running game, especially with Powell – coming in later and just, yeah, like hammering that line and then and then constantly moving the pile. Like that, it does just open up options. And so like a, a game plan tailored to a quarterback who on design rollouts is very good with options. Like he, he's gonna make some good wise decisions when he's got more than two seconds in the pocket. Um, and so getting him out in space, freed up by a running game that was at least effective. I mean, the Redskins defense isn't terrible. It's at least middle of the pack. Um, you know, across the league. So, you know, like, I, I felt like some of the stuff that, that Griffin was doing, like, just really decent route running opened up all the options, all the catches for him. Um, obviously, Crowder Crowder made some really great plays as well. I feel like, man, like, it, it just looked like a competent game plan. It felt like everybody was kind of on the same page. Maybe for the first or second time this year, it felt like everything was just kind of clicking. Um, obviously, it's against a team that's coming into the game at 1-8. and eight, So, you know, it's not – great competition but you know we have to start somewhere and if we can start with everybody kind of on the same page and execution matching the game plan like man, if, if that was their game plan coming in, great. And if it wasn't and they made adjustments to it, even better. Like, that's one of the things we've said is we've not seen in-game adjustments from Adam Gase um, be effective in the second half. And I feel like, you know, they went into half obviously up pretty big and the second half got to be just a little bit more relaxed. But, man, it, it just felt like everything was clicking kind of all day and that that is encouraging to see.
4: Yeah, I I, I, I think when I think about Crowder and, you know, Bilal Powell's, reaching the end of his career. Lev Bell is definitely going to be on this team uh, next year. They'll hopefully you know, improve the offensive line, and and that will only help him. Uh, but, you know, they they are certainly a team in flux when it comes to pass catchers, right? We thought Quincy and Unwood was going to come into this year and be a big part of what they would do kind of as a flanker, you know, ex-receiver type. Obviously, that hasn't worked out with his injury, um, Demarius Thomas is here for I don't know wh- however long they'll they'll need him but I, I don't imagine you know he's certainly not a long term solution at his age uh, and then you know there's some other players that are you know questionable Chris Herndon you, you know ha- had a phenomenal year in 2018 obviously you know had his had his suspension and then his injury this year but what I want to know from from you guys is do you think when you look at what Ryan Griffin uh, tight end and Jameson Crowder are contributing to this team, do you feel like these are players that they can build around? I mean, certainly I would say they're upgradable, but are these players we can kind of put into parts of this offense over the next two or three years? What do you say, Travis? I mean, I think, uh, you know, Griffin, I,
6: I, he's, it's kind of a weird, like conundrum with him because uh, I believe he's in his sixth or seventh season, and he's never really done much at all um, until the past three weeks. Um, I think that he is one of those kind of role player guys that you, you definitely need. Uh, I don't know if he's a build around kind of person, um, and none was starting to worry me with all of this this injury fine thing. Um, that's a whole nother. We've had so many freaking bizarre, stupid things happen with players this year yeah. beyond injuries that it's it's nuts. Uh, call me crazy, but I actually am skeptical that Robbie Anderson will be around next year. Um, I think somebody's going to want to overpay for him, and he's not going to be there. Um, I really do think that we're going to try to – uh, if I believe – I believe it, the, the, the draft, everything I've heard, wide receiver and skill positions are pretty – Mm-hmm. stacked at the front. Um, you know me, I want offensive linemen, but I, I don't know that we have that many people outside of Herndon and Crowder uh, and obviously Bell on the uh, offensive line that are build-around kind of people. I think that we've got more role players than anything else, and that's part of the problem, but it's, it's, it's cool getting to see the role players stepping up and, and doing really great things. I just don't think it's sustainable.
4: What do you think there, Josh?
5: Yeah, I would agree. Obviously, the the Ryan Griffin stuff. Like, the 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 best thing that he's known for t- to me is he's a UConn alum, and so let's go state of Connecticut. But um, yeah, like a you know kind of a you know ho hum. I mean, you know, stick around in the league for six years says something about the guy. But you know, there's obviously um, you know not not much special athleticism. You know, obviously, I think we are missing. You know. It, dynamic playmakers. And Herndon, interestingly, from that tight end position, position is one of those guys. And so, you know, Griffin is a viable backup, you know, if if this Herndon thing keeps getting weirder and more injuries pile on more injuries. But um, yeah, I think I also agree about Robbie Anderson probably being gone. Jamison Crowder, like he's always been serviceable. I know like in, in the fantasy world, it's like the guy's a, a catch machine. We saw that obviously week one. Um, he's been serviceable the last couple of weeks but you know he, he's 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 a he's a guy you want in your lineup like it, it is a piece it's a smaller piece I mean I think slot guys are a little bit of a dime a dozen but um you know I, I do like a guy like Crowder that has been around the league been with a few different teams and seems to to always be wanted um on offenses that that are looking to, to get possession receivers so you know I like having Ryan Griffin I don't think he's starting if Chris Herndon is healthy right now. I, I certainly don't think that. But, um, you know, if he's gotten some of the comfortability with Sam and it's getting us touchdowns and moving the chains, you know, during this, you know, seemingly still dreadful season, um, you know, it, it's it's nice to have. I don't, I don't know that he's a building block, but it's it's good to have guys that you can at least rely on if, if you get some injuries to, to your starting tight end. But yeah, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of a lot of skill position talk. Offensive line needs um, needs addressing in the draft as well. But, yeah, it's certainly right at the top. It's going to be a lot of wide receivers. And so, you know, if there's a guy way up there and the Jets are in the top five or top seven picks, like, they're going to probably have to grab one of those guys because it, it is such a deep draft um, at, the, at the top with really high-end prospects at the wide receiver position, which, again, you need that for a young quarterback as well.
0: No
4: purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. You know, looking at Ryan Griffin's profile, kind of as we've talked about, right, he's he's almost 30, right? So, but, you know, we have seen players break out at the tight end position late in their career. Delaney Walker is an example of that. Um, Gary Barnage, a couple years ago with the Browns, is an example of that. And tight end tends to be a position that you need you know, th- you know three years in the league to learn and, and the reason is because not only do they need to pick up the protection schemes they need to pick up you know the route running you know schemes and so so it is one of the more complicated positions to play in the nfl ryan griffin obviously for the jets was an opportunistic signing and i guess that was a joe douglas signing right um yep Yeah, it was a Joe Douglas signing. It was opportunistic because if you remember at the NFL draft in the spring, you know, he, I don't know, punches out a window or something, um, you know, kind of during the celebration and festivities. And and so he's on the street. The case was thrown out. Who knows, you know, what the truth of it all was. But, you know, he – he has the type of agility that you want to see out of a tight end. And in college, you know, he was a dominant player when he was at UConn, obviously playing, you know, in a conference that's not, you know, the SEC or something like that, but still he was dominant player in college. Um, you know, was a, you know, when he caught the ball, he, it was on long catches. So, so he's the type of player that you're looking for um, at a tight end, as a contributor, as a route runner. Um, and so I like the fact that they were using him, in a two-way setting but you know obviously you know offensively and i like the fact that they were running lots of two and two tight end sets yesterday you know and even you know sometimes wesco was in there too so having you know, having as many players as they did on the field to protect the pocket was was definitely helpful um and then you know ryan griffin is the guy who tends to to leak out and then you know jameson crowder right you know, he's i think we talked about this in the springtime some but Adam Gase loves slot receivers. I mean, think of all the things he did with Jarvis Landry uh, when the two of them were in in, um, in Miami together. And, you know, not that Jameson Crowder is as uh, sturdy, let's say, as Jarvis Landry, uh, but he ha- he has some of that same aspect to his game. And so, yeah, I think in that way, you know, he, he has been a reliable player. I don't know if he's the sort of player that you can – you know, turn into a workhorse receiver type, but certainly he's going to have these games where he's going to have a lot of catches and a lot of yards, a lot of first downs. So anyway, um, let's talk a little bit about Jamal Adams. I think we need to talk about Jamal Adams again. Uh, I know he's, he's a popular figure on this podcast, but he had another huge day, three more sacks, Uh, you know, which um, if you look at, as I kind of slash this with the uh, check the timeline, Connor Hughes had a great, great tweet yesterday where he writes uh, on Sunday night, he says, jet safety, Jamal Adams has six sacks this season. Rams defensive end, Errol Donald has dot, 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 six sacks this season. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so, so the point that... It kind of goes back to the, you know, the whole thing. Are they going to trade him? Are they not going to trade him? And, and while I think it was a dumb move, certainly Jamal Adams has taken the high road in the whole situation. Um, and his play is showing it. And so, like, he is so disruptive on the field. I mean, you know, for a safety, you know, people say, oh, safety is not a valuable position. While I don't, you know, compared to other positions like cornerback or, you know, whatever defensive, you know, outside linebacker, kind of rush linebacker type person. While I'm not going to argue tons with that, what I will say is, yeah, but Jamal Adams is a different maker at this position and and well worth the value. Do you feel like we're in a place where we need to, that we being the Jets, Joe Douglas, we need to re-sign this guy in the coming offseason season as a way to cement the the marriage between the Jets and, and Adams, or can they kind of, you know, play coy with him another year and, you know, go down the the franchise tag role. What's, what would you do if you're Joe Douglas? Uh, yeah. I really think that it would go a long way
6: with Jamal if they went ahead and showed that commitment as early as they possibly can, especially with everything that's happened, um, you know, the past couple of weeks with the trade deadline and then the, the, kind of feud that opened up between the two. Uh, but also because if, if he keeps playing like this, I mean, that that price tag is going to be even higher, you know, come franchise uh, tag point, uh, you right. know, a, a, end of the contract point. Um, but I saw something that was mind-blowing yesterday on, on Twitter. Um, I, I can't remember who, who tweeted it. I believe uh, Scott, play like a jet, retweeted it. Right now, he is on pace, and and even and right now, exactly, he is leading in every single important defensive stat category for the team. He has the most sacks. He has the most interceptions. He has the most defensive touchdowns. He has yeah. the most tackles. Like He is right. first on the defense in every single category as a safety. So we've talked a lot about the fact that safety is not a premium position, but when you have a safety that is playing that way – it becomes a premium position, so I really do think that they have to do this as quickly as possible, and 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 just for the sake of everyone involved.
5: Yeah, I I think you back up the Brinks truck and you just ask Jamal how much he can fit in his car. I think you ask him literally what he <laughs> wants because right. listen, for, for no other reason, like I, I I understand salary cap, I get all that, but like. For a guy like that, who it seems like the team rises and falls on his leadership, like he seems like that guy, like you need that guy to feel bought into from ownership. And so, you know, whatever happened the last few weeks before and right after the trade deadline between him and and Chris Johnson and, and Joe Douglas, and seemingly if they buried the hatchet and Jamal's gotten back to just focusing on the field, he has five sacks, guys, in the last couple of games. He's the first player in like a decade. Um, or the second, I guess, defensive back in the last 10 years to have three sacks in one game. Like there is a specialness to this guy that like, we can't like, if we want to be a credible team in the NFL, you have to pay and reward your star players. Moving out Leonard Williams was a very brilliant move by Joe Douglas because it made this defense Jamal Adams defense. Like no, there's no question. It's his, even when a guy like CJ Mosley comes back, like Jamal is the leader of this defense and you need to pay him likewise. He and Sam seemingly whatever also happened with Sam after the Dolphins loss and he's being way more assertive. I know a lot of guys are reporting he's being way more assertive <laughs> mm-hmm. with with the game plan and how they how he wants to run things like as Jamal and Sam have taken ownership of this team, we have two straight wins. Like I know they're not, you know, against world-beating playoff teams, but but wins are wins in the NFL. And so I, I want players that are bought in, feel rewarded. Don't feel like they're being, um, you know, given the runaround. Like this is not a guy you wait on because if he even sniffs free agency, someone is coming in and offering him almost, you know, maybe a third more than the Jets are going to offer him. And, and I, we cannot get outbid on this guy. Like do not lose the momentum of buying. Like I'd re-sign him before the end of this season. I'd give him a four-year deal and you back the truck up. Make him the highest paid safety in the league.
4: No question. Yeah. I mean, you know, like what is, you know, what was Darren Sharper worth to his team in his prime? What was Earl Thomas worth to his team in his prime? What was Eric Weddle or Jack Tatum or, uh, help me out, Rodney Harrison, Eric Berry, uh, Ronnie Lott, uh, um, Ed Reed, Ed Reed, Tro- Reed, Troy Palomalu? Like, what are these players worth to their organizations? Like, they're worth everything to their organization. I understand they're, they play a safety position, but they, Like, you know, and that's, you know, quote unquote, you know, not cool in terms of valuation, you know, when it comes to analytics or whatever doesn't matter. Like you see the plays he makes, you see the difference he makes, you see, you know, the thing he did to Daniel Jones last week where he jumped over the pile and yanked him backwards. Like you can't put a value on that sort of thing over the course of, you know, three years, four years you know, uh, you know, in terms of what it means to that, that organization. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you. You just, you, you make him the highest paid player and, and be done with it. We'll, we'll see what the team does. Uh, but, but if you're right, if that's, if, if I'm the GM, I understand that I got to balance a lot of things, uh, but that is one thing I definitely don't, I don't make a change on because it, it, you know, it's like, it's like trading Sam Darnold or getting rid of Sam Darnold. Like it, his value is beyond what you can actually, you know, pay that person. So, so yeah, anyway, totally. we'll, yeah, we'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, I hope <laughs> I really do hope the Jets, you know, f- figure that out. And, and, you know, wh- when they have announced Chris, you know, we haven't talked about this since last week. Uh, you know, this happened in the meantime, since we had our last podcast, the Jets announced the fact that, you know, via Chris Johnson to the reporters that that there's going to be no changes in the organization coming up in, in 2020. Um, you know, w- when you've already kind of made that announcement and that proclamation, like what better way to kind of Create continuity than to extend a player like like Jamal Adams, right? You're saying that hey, this is the team, this is the core group from the front office to the coaching staff to the you know kind of cornerstone players. You know, this is an opportunity to cement that. um, I hope the Jets actually do that. But but I'm curious talking about Gase uh, and and his his being safe in 2020. I know how we feel about this, but and i know that they just beat two teams that you know basically can't rub a win between them together the giants and 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 washington so but travis when you think about where this team has been and the fact that chris johnson made this announcement at this point uh, you know h- how do you feel about that does that enrage you does that upset you are you kind of fine or just like it doesn't matter because he's dead anyway in in a year how do you feel about the fact that Chris Johnson came out, went out of his way to make this announcement in November. I think I was probably a little bit more conflicted
6: about it than most people that um, Mm -hmm. I've talked to and that I know uh, via Jets' Twitter and everything else. Um, One one thing that I think is so important to, you know, Sam Darnold's development is some form of continuity, especially within, you know, the offensive scheme and coaching. I don't want to see him become Alex Smith, who has, you know, seven different offensive coordinators throughout the, the beginning of his career and then comes mm-hmm.
4: on, you know.
6: Gets, gets Andy Reid.
4: Right, yeah, gets Andy Reid. Well, I guess it was really um, – uh, shoot, uh, who was the coach? Harbaugh. That was really kind of the guy yeah. who cemented him, you yeah. mm-hmm.
6: um, know. You know, I don't want to see that. But at the same time, you know, what is continuity if the – the, the continuity is mediocrity uh, or, or worse than mediocrity. Um, so I was very conflicted. I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever made any bones about not being stoked about Adam Gase being there. Um, but at the same time, if, if these two games and the attitude around uh, the locker room and what Sam Darnold's doing – uh, like we talked like you you were talking about with him being more assertive things like that if those are indicative of where this is going then i'm fully supportive of that if these are flukes because we're playing bad teams then no but i do i, I was glad that chris johnson came out and said that and it was a little ballsy of him to say that when everything was in ch- such mm. a shitty point so i give him a little bit of props for that but th- those are very minimal props um <laughs> highly minimal um because i still wish that they would just sell the damn team to somebody else <laughs> uh, like that I'm, I'm still uh, i've i've stake i've staked my flag on that mountain um but yeah i think i was more conflicted than most people so I, i'm kind of kind of on the fence about it if that all right
5: that's fair it's fine yeah. to be on the fence that's okay nothing surprises i mean chris johnson's in like uh, the He's in the Tyson zone where nothing he says will surprise me with his leadership. Like nothing shocks me. Bad leadership will also always recognize bad leadership. And so right at the time he did it, it seemed like the most ridiculous thing. I mean, we predicted it for months that, you know, losing, losing Sam D'Amano, and then, you know, having injuries hit and, you know, all all the craziness happened. Like, of course, it wasn't going to be fair to judge him, but like, he's the one creating a lot of this stuff. And so like, even this week, you know, obviously the stuff coming out from from Quincy about the fines, and then other players chirping in saying, like, I've never been somewhere where player fines were publicized like that, like on a on a digital screen for everyone to like. It's like it's like Adam Gates brought the stock like the the, the yeah. stocks back out to the middle of the square and he <laughs> put Quincy head in it with his arms up so people could throw tomatoes at him, and it's like there's just a million signs here that he's not a great leader, regardless if the team is winning, right? Like. But, but does that mean that a capable, you know, connection between a coach and his quarterback and his team isn't going to be possible or somewhat mediocre after 10 weeks? Like, it'd be, it'd be crazy to think that even, you know, like, given the schedule, given Sam getting some of his confidence back, like, they were certainly going to win some games because there's at least enough talent to beat, to beat the last two teams they've beaten. But, you know, I, I don't want him back, but at the same time, Nothing surprises me, so you know if if nothing else, next year there's a really talented team that goes six and ten, and we realize like, okay, he is not getting the most out of this talent, he has to go after twenty twenty. You know, the it was hard on Saturday watching Matt Rule and Baylor, like, annihilate another team, and it's like, we could have had that guy. Like, we could, we had friggin' Matt Rule in the building, yeah. and we let him walk out, and it's like, man, imagine where we might be with a guy like that, feeling like, even with all the stuff that's happened this year, you know, a young team with a young coach with an exciting offense coming under Matt Rule, like, that guy turns things around quickly. And so, man, it's frustrating to not have that guy, but, you know, I'm hopeful that you know, two years from now, there's another great prospect coming up. And maybe at that point, someone like Joe Douglas has some more buy-in and can really hire the coach he wants. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. I, I'm conflicted. I, I hear where Travis is coming from and I agree. Like the season has certainly not been optimal for Adam Gase. I've never been a fan of Adam Gase. Um, but if I'm, I mean, I never expected him to be a one and out coach, uh, so I do respect the fact that because Chris Johnson knew that he was going to, it was it, the decision was already made regardless of how the season ended. Um, he was not going to evaluate like a lot of times you hear know, owners midseason say, "Well, we'll evaluate Todd Bowles, you know, after his fourth year and see how he is,"
3: whatever it is,
4: right? Like they do that sort of thing. Um, this was not that, and so right, it afforded Gase the ability. In his locker room in his coaching staff kind of with his you know front office to say this is going to be the person who's going to be there in 2020 now obviously chris johnson the season could end dismally and chris johnson could change his mind and we'll look back at this moment and say like this is why you shouldn't have said anything at that time and you look stupid because you went back on your word but at this point there's no upside to chris johnson essentially making a change um, like because it makes him look foolish to do it. So therefore, even if Matt rule says, ah, please hire me, like he's not going to do it uh, you know, in this coming off season, which is a shame and it's the situation, but right. We're, we're living through this with Gase for 2020. So, you know, my, right. My hope is they can make the best of it and figure some things out.
1: Hey guys, before I give you back to Brian, just want to remind you about the great deal that you can get over at Vivid Seats when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app. You can get up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase when you use the promo code OVERTIME. You can use that code to buy yourself tickets for the Jets and the Raiders game this Sunday or... Any other event that's coming to town, the Radio City Christmas Spectacular is coming to town. There's wrestling shows, concerts, other sporting events, hockey and basketball, and so much more. You can get tickets for yourself or you can go ahead and buy tickets as Christmas presents. Don't worry, won't tell anybody that you're getting their presents at a bit of a discount. Get a great deal on great seats right now when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app and use the promo code. Over time, you get up to hundred bucks off on your very first purchase. All right, Brian. Sorry about that. Go ahead,
4: my man. I think that's about it in terms of actual Jets content, but there are a couple things that I have to ask. Like, I was, I was on the timeline. Do you? I don't know if you guys have any timeline things that you saw that were interesting. Um, yeah. So you want to add one? Go ahead, please do.
5: No, so I, I, I'm I'm searching for it again right now. I I did see it might have also been from Connor.
4: Um, oh my goodness! While you're uh, looking, while you're looking, uh, I have something on the timeline. I saw Travis. You retweet things from time to time, and, and I saw one from a gentleman named Keith Pendolfi, who is a writer. I believe he wrote for Savoir and some. He kind of is a whatever. Uh,
7: James James Beard
4: nominated writer, I believe. Yeah. He might have actually won one. Um, yeah, I think he did. He did when he was with Sorority, great guy. Or Serious Eats or whatever. So he tweeted this, which you retweeted, which says, I think American restaurants have re- pe- reached peak tufted upholstery, capital T, capital U. So uh, what is tufted upholstery? <laughs> what is tufted upholstery and why have American restaurants reached peak tufted upholstery?
6: Um. You know, I actually, I, I came to this this thought recently when I was working on a lot of the design aspects for the, the, the new restaurant that's opening up next next year, um, and I was going through uh, a lot of, of design books and talking to designers, and everyone was coming to me with, like, this this thick, fluffy, like, straight out of pioneer woman, some kind of... I, I don't know. Like I'm out of touch when it comes to like those reality show. Crap.
4: Oh, you mean the uh, the 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 people in Texas fixer, yeah, upper, yeah, fixer or upper.
6: Oklahoma or somewhere. Yeah. I don't know.
4: Shiplap, um, shiplap. Like, A lot of shiplap for your restaurant. Yes, in that just like down this down.
6: overly fluffy kind of up- upholstery in the dining room, and it, it looks like. I don't know. It looks, it looks like... So Tufted. Tufted bo- yeah. is like
4: the stuff where it's like it's like someone has put a button down into the upholstery at like regular intervals to kind of make it kind of fold back in, correct? Exactly. So and it's, it's like banquettes it's, at, a, at a gross... like at a, at a club or like something. Like they'll tend to do that sort of thing, right? Or yep. As, as, on a backsplash on a wall you'll see it. Like as a back of a banquette you'll see it um, at a yep. trendy restaurant. And
6: And it's... I don't know. I'm just over it. It's uncomfortable. It doesn't look great to me
4: and I don't clean- know. I- cleaning it must be awful. Like I'm trying I to was, think about like in a restaurant, uh, how terrible would it be to clean is, oh, yeah. where you've got it's all these horrible. like crumb holes essentially, crumb and like li- liquid holes that all the stuff would go down into. I mean, if it's on a flat like a like a horizontal surface, I would imagine, right? On a vertical surface, yeah. that's an issue. Um but but, but uh, also you have you have to bear in
6: mind if you see that I've been retweeting a bunch of crap on Twitter, that means that I have been drinking and I am not <laughs> at a point where I feel like I am comfortable enough to say anything that is actually on my mind.
4: So, oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, that's fair. So, so basically when we see retweets, it's like just assume they're drunk retweets. Yeah.
6: A hundred percent.
4: Josh, I have another one for you. You sent to for us some kind of our text thread this week by um, a gentleman on Twitter, Jeff underscore Crisanti, a.k.a. Jeff Blue, and it says, if White Claw doesn't make a peppermint-flavored holiday sen- seltzer and call it Santa Claus, I will riot. How brilliant is this guy? I mean, we, we, need, we need to get Jeff Blue uh, a job at, at White Claw, because I agree, if they don't have a holiday seltzer named Santa Claus...
5: Trav, I feel like if nothing else, can you make one of these and just give us a review and then just own it like you become Santa Claus? You know, my buddy has a vodka distillery down here and
6: we've actually made a couple of, of uh, we, we, we've talked about it a little bit. But beyond that, I think that since we all have Richmond Ties. We should all march down to Belle Isle Moonshine. Bell Isle. Oh, I know the owners uh, of Bell Isle. Yeah, we all oh, we all have connections to the people there. They are doing seltzers now. Um,
4: oh shit! Ooh. I didn't know that. I
6: feel like it might be a little touchy on the trademark portion, but yeah. it might get them some really good publicity.
4: Right. Nothing like a lawsuit to give you some publicity on. Uh...
6: Exactly. I, I think that I think we've got avenues here that we are not uh, not. Uh, not exhausting
4: yeah we exploring yeah i'm afraid it might be too late but i will i will definitely get in touch with them today i'm definitely gonna get in touch with them (laughs) we'll have an update for next week it might be that i i sent a linkedin message to the owner and he's like fuck off but uh but you know i also need to try to figure out a way to do some form of jets themed white claw considering
6: considering the the, between myself you guys paulie there's there's enough Jets white claw drinkers to where I think we've got a market
4: there. I think this is great. So like you know how Nike would do these like I, like you would know this Travis more than I like Nike will do these like one off shoes like the Yeezys and then people can kind of do their own style like John Geiger you know the guy who used to be Darrell Rivers' admin assistant or whatever. Um, I mean he's he's got a huge business now where he's personalizing. He was doing like personalizing of Nike shoes and stuff like that. So like you could kind of create your own seltzer flavor. So you could do like a Jets themed green apple and white. If we want to go thematically, I think it's got to taste like shit.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we just make like a straight on vodka seltzer. And then we like we get like really bad peppermint essential oils and just drop it in and drink it. (laughs) Yep.
4: Yep. Or yeah. or maybe
6: maybe we go cheesecake flavored because <laughs> Oh
4: yeah. Oh, that's I like that. I like that idea. That's a tie-in with what's the cheesecake place in uh is it out in Brooklyn or Queens? Oh, juniors? Shoot. Yes, yeah, juniors. Yep. Like you get juniors as a tie-in, like we could have a cheesecake flavored seltzer. That'd be good. I'd I'd be down with that. Yeah. And we just call it sadness. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think I think we got something to work on. Unfortunately, because it's almost Thanksgiving, like we are woefully late to get this product to market in time for the holidays. But uh, but you know what? Uh, if we don't try to do it and fail miserably, then it's. Uh, I mean, we're, we're, why would we be Jets fans? Like, we're, you know, this is this is how the Jets just you yep. know go. the the Listen, organization goes at things year to year, day to day. So, uh,
5: an- another Richmond shout out. Like, if if we can make our schedules coalesce, it's looking mm-hmm. like I. I bought if anyone out there in Richmond land, Virginia Land knows Hardywood, Hardywood Brewing. And so I I went ahead months ago and, and pre-bought their um, their gingerbread stout sampler. And so you get like a twelve pack, but you've got to pick it up in person. Um, and so there's a good chance the week of December thirteenth through eighteenth, I gotta make a quick drive down. Ooh, listen, let's be let's meet at the worst gas station we can find with some vodka seltzer and oh. some peppermint. Oils, and I we'll like film it. a podcast. That sounds good to me. Let's do it. I'm in. I am
6: all in. I don't think you had to ask if I was in.
5: <laughs> I said Vodka Seltzer's and Gas Stations and Travis is like, "Come on in, let's do it."
6: That's, I'm like, "That's
5: a Tuesday."
4: I mean <laughs> All right. Well, I think we have we have just about covered everything so far. So, thank you gentlemen for taking the time to talk about the Jets and their 3417 win over Washington Redskins thank you for listening to this podcast thank you to play like a jet who publishes this so be sure to rate and review the podcast and whatever podcast tool uh platform you use and thanks again and we will talk to you next week Paid hey, president Jamal Adams
3: with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten Lucky?
3: Lucky?